G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, always so good, just getting some great insights from Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia, back with us today. Charles, welcome along. Thank you. Good morning. Charles, you're in your office in Adelaide today, and I know you've been thinking deeply about some of the issues that are going on around the states and raising some awareness of the push for euthanasia in the state of Queensland and New South Wales and the decriminalisation of abortion and the right to abort until birth in South Australia. Um, I know this is something that's a terminology that we're using more increasingly, the idea of a culture of death. What have you been thinking about this past few days? Yes, I've been watching the the the, the push to inter- introduce euthanasia to Queensland and New South Wales, and the way in which it reflects a pattern that we've seen in Queen- in Australia, that uh, one state will, like in this particular case, Victoria, does the kind of the spade work to get euthanasia um, established within their legal system, and it provides a model for the other states, and then it's like a domino effect, you know, that it then goes from there to Western Australia and from Western Australia to uh, Queensland and Queensland to New South Wales, and it just does around like that. It's like a it's like a social contagion. <laughs> and <laughs> this this contagion, contagion, as you call it, uh, it's an interesting thing that's happening because people in Australia are accepting this so readily. We're experiencing yeah. here a culture change. The idea that it's okay to kill people or to commit suicide. I mean, it's a dramatic cultural change, isn't it? It is, uh, but I don't think that people are are thinking that deeply about it. You know, most of them are just trying to keep their jobs and pay their mortgages and make sure their children don't get into too much trouble. But uh, I like that the Aussie attitude, you know, of the pub test, you know, how people reduce complicated things to simple things. And um, and they just cut out all those complicated arguments that people present. And so in the pub test, if, uh, if somebody said to them, you know, um, I'm from X party and we want to introduce euthanasia and, and abortion or whatever, they'd say, so what you're saying is it's okay to kill babies in the womb so long as they're still in the womb, and but we can leave them to die if the abortion doesn't kill them. Um, is that what you're saying? And do you want me to vote for you? You, you know, the <laughs> simplification... <laughs> I mean, sometimes you've just got to call it out, haven't you? You've I mean, I mean, this is common sense. This is obvious. And calling it out, uh, sometimes we wonder why uh, there are not so many more speaking up. Yeah, well, these pubs that we that we do the pub test in are in regional Australia. They're not urban pubs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're with real people. Um, so. Um, we see this going on, and and but there's good news, you know. There's a, there's also good news. I was so impressed by the effort in New South Wales when uh, the uh, uh, the decriminalisation of abortion legislation was kind of imposed upon the state. There, there was such a strong groundswell rising up, and then again last weekend uh, in Adelaide, there were over three thousand people turning up for the the, the walk 
for life. And, and their particular focus was to, was to uh, protest the move to unwind protections for the unborn in the state of South Australia. And uh, so we see that, um, that in the midst of this culture of death that's being imposed on us, what it's doing is it's making people say, hang on a minute, you know, we may not be doing the pub test, but we may be doing the, the church test or we may be doing the conscience test. But it's not ringing right with us. And so uh, at last, people are starting to uh, to respond to this stuff. It might sound like we're talking about South Australia and some of the eastern states here, but in the West, they've got their own challenges there. And I know that Family Voice Australia has been advocating against this idea of introducing exclu- exclusion zones around abortion clinics. That's something that already is in force in, in other states. Yes, and once again, this is an example of how the process begins because um, in the parliament it's been said that this is necessary for the safety and protection of women in clinics from harassment. Uh, but when they're questioned, there's not a single example of harassment. And the laws are already in place to maintain public order. They don't need to do it. What What's happening is that um, on occasions, uh, like during Lent, there's a, a, a the, the pro-life group, their rights life group there, they, they run a prayer vigil, but they have to go down to the police station. They have to get a permit from the police. The police tell them where they can stand at a suitable distance. And um, they have to carry that paper permit with them. Uh, there's been one uh, uh, one offence because the people did this online, and they, so they didn't actually have the paper permit. You know, that was the registered offence. But there's never been an offence of uh, of harassment or anything like that. But but it still gets pushed and presented that way. That you know that the people who care about the unborn, they're they're sort of um, you know redneck fanatics that are out there to Charles, to you, violate people. You've spent a lot of time going through the legislation as it's been presented in a number of states. Uh, just reflect for a few moments on the legislation that went through Queensland, the Queensland decriminalisation of abortion bill. Uh, oh. No reference at all to the actual baby. Exactly. In that in that piece of legislation, you would there's no direct reference to the child, none at all. It's all about the procedure. So you know, if you if you didn't know from the label of what the legislation is, decriminalisation of abortion, you wouldn't know what you're talking, what the legislation's about, because there's not a single reference. And it's fascinating that within a couple of months of that legislation, the the, uh, the Queensland Parliament introduced uh, human rights legislation. And that legislation, you know, obviously trumpets the human rights of, of the individual. There is one reference uh, to the unborn child, and it's in a footnote that says, none of these rights apply to the unborn child, and anybody who kills that child does not offend against a person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I know uh, there are some positive steps happening internationally. What is happening in America does not appear to be reflecting in the hearts and minds of Australians at this point, but the growing pro-life movement in the US, it's really significant. It's amazing. You know, Donald Trump in his uh, State of the Union address, you know, he he has these little cameos that uh, that really get up some people's nose because it seems like he's turning the State of the Union address into a sort of a show. But one of the, the cameos was that he introduced this little girl, Ellie Schneider, who was uh, two years old and the survivor of late-term abortion. Mm. And he, he, he has her there with her mum. And he, uh, he uses that as a way to 
to humanise this this situation, and um, and then calls for an end to to late term abortion in, in the United States. And uh, I mean that's that's just it's such a powerful um, um, sort of shift um, in uh, in in putting the issue on the agenda and. And encouraging a, a culture of life, um, the, 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 the pro-life uh, culture, and um, it's it's great to see, isn't it? So, on one side, you've got this sort of dehumanising of the baby in the womb that's mm. happening, and it's seeing all of this legislation pushed through in Australia. Then you've got this idea that you can actually meet, talk to, see, hold, cuddle, hold close someone who has been a survivor of abortion. In other words, uh, someone who was going through that abortion procedure and they survived the abortion procedure and have gone on to be a beautiful little child. Mm. I mean, this is is, uh, is creates a major problem for people who are on that culture of death side of the equation here. Uh, what are your thoughts on on those issues, because that's happening here in Australia too, Charles. Yes, well, I think that the language, like you know, like in the legislation that that fails to reference the child and that um, always refers to the unborn child as a fetus. You know, actually, the word fetus means little one, but to most of us, that just means something that we, you know, doesn't have identity. And one of the things that's happening in the U.S. is that a, a senator, uh, Ben Sass, is advocating for the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act to actually ha- put um, the medical pro- profession um, in a position where they have a, a, a duty of care to, for the survivors because at the present moment they, they are left to die. And um, in the United States, around 1,200 survivors of abortion are left to die in any, any given year. And um, so what I kind of think of here is that what we're seeing through this pro-life movement is the rehumanization of the child in the womb. And um, you can see this coming through in that legislation. It's about uh, applying terms to the surviving child as a child, you know, so that it just awakens uh, people to the realization we are talking about a person here. We're not talking about just the product of an unwanted pregnancy. And, you know, this, this issue of survivors, uh, it's happening, survivors of abortion, it's happening in, in Australia. In, in, um, I was just looking at the data recently and, um, and in Queensland, as far back as 2015, Dr Mark Robinson, who's a member in the Queensland Parliament, asked the Minister of Health for information on this issue and he was told that, on that in that year 27 children had been left to die. Uh, and uh, over the, the period between 2005 and 2015, a total of 207 children had been left to die um, because the, the abortion hadn't hadn't succeeded in, in killing the child. And so, where those statistics are allowed to emerge, uh, that's similar sorts of numbers, as I understand it, throughout all the states around Australia. Uh, it's mm. happening here in Australia very significantly. Charles, I do want to ask you about... Here we are as Christians. Uh, we recognize that we're made in the image and likeness of God. We have value as a human being. And that would go right from that conception to the time that we die. But what can we reflect on from a biblical basis as Christian believers uh, to what might be happening or what sort of response ought to be made? Uh, what do you reflect on as you think of uh, a biblical foundation for how we think about these things? 
Yes, well, um, we're going to go to the Bible via the pub again. and, <laughs> and <laughs> As some people are prone to do. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, and the way in which um, things fail the pub test, you know, in other, this is what we, in big words, call cultural dissonance. The fact that, um, you know, it's all right to do, it's all right to end the life of a child in the womb in the hospital. But say, for instance, if you didn't want a child and the, the baby came early, why can't you just, um, you know, uh, neglect it there and allow it to die in your own home? You know, well, you know what's the difference here? This kind of cultural uh, dissonance where things don't add up. This gradually, it, it just builds up and builds up. The evidence for this, this, this dissonance just adds up and adds up until people start sort of saying, no, this just isn't working. And um, they start looking for a moral value or a moral standard other than human nature because human nature is just so unreliable. It's such a terrible and complicated mix of good and evil. We see in the same people acts of great self-sacrifice and integrity. And then within a short space of time, they're doing very selfish things and deceitful things. I speak from personal experience. Experience. So um, uh, what what we're talking what I when I when I was reflecting about this I, I noticed in one of our articles that that this is not a, a new problem that when the church was beginning and back in, in in Rome they were having this problem in Rome too and by the fourth century the level of infanticide had had become so common that people were just and this was mostly the men were saying to the women um you, you know and there's even letters extant uh, from the fourth century that says if the child's a boy keep it if it's a girl kill it mm. you know or leave it put it out and and that kind of thing that 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 is still happening in many abortions it's not so much the woman's choice you know she's doing it under duress very often and she ha- yet she has to carry the great grief of it and 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 this situation was such that abortion was uh, that, that infanticide in Rome in the fourth century was reducing the population to Hadana. It was really affecting the population, and the Christian community was deeply involved in rescuing children that were abandoned on the street or whatever. And uh, we're back to that because. Uh, you could see that in Rome, in that highly urbanized environment, people loved their urban lifestyle more than their children. And and I can see that this is precisely the predicament that's going on today as people start to realize there's a deep cultural dissonance. And, and it reminded me of that passage in Genesis and how early on in the human story, only five generations from Adam, this dark side in human nature was causing people to realize that life without God was not so liberating after all. And there's this great phrase in Genesis chapter 4, it says, they began to call on the name of the Lord. And it comes directly after um, there's this guy, Lamech, who uh, becomes the first bigamist and, and gets involved in a conflict with a young man and is about to kill him. Or, uh, you know, and that comes out and it says men began to call on the name of the Lord. And what that means is that they didn't just sort of shout out God's name. What they were looking for was they were sort of, saying, God, who are you really? You know, who are you really? Is there any hope for us in your heart? Is, are, are you a God that we can rely upon to get us out of this mess that we're getting ourselves into? And, and I can imagine t- in today's world that there are lots of people that are beginning to feel that way because their personal history may not necessarily be one of aborting children or of, or of uh, committing their old people to euthanasia. But it, all of us have got that junk that's in us of, um, that we're ashamed of, that we regret, that we feel a deep sense of guilt about. And the amazing joy of the Christian message is that that's exactly why Jesus came. He came to tell us that there is hope in God, 
that we can be reconciled, that we can deal with that stuff, and that he came precisely to deal with that stuff that separates us from, from God who, as he really is, not as he's misrepresented in society and sometimes sadly even by the church. Charles. Isn't that good news? It's good news and always a useful reminder to this idea that there is a dark side of human nature and if we're all honest we can see the dark side in ourselves if we're all honest we recognize that when you're only relying on the dark side of human nature uh, you've got squabbles tensions and ultimate conflict over who decides what's right that's why we need a transcendent god and his life reflected and he's given his son to be that perfect image. That's why we follow Jesus. Uh, great stuff again, Charles. Uh, always so appreciate the things that you take us into each You're week. You're please, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that listeners will be resonating with the things that you've been sharing today. And uh, I know that there's lots of great articles Uh, that Family Voice Australia is advocating on a whole lot of different levels. Uh, There'll be people who want to follow along more closely the sorts of things you're working on. Let me point them to the website, familyvoice.org.au. Familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles, thanks for being with us again today on 2020. Thank you again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.